0: Welcome back to The Lottery. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft editor at Bleacher Report. This week's episode is brought to you by Untuckett. And I'm joined this week by my guy, Jared Dubin. He's written for every NBA publication of manageable, imaginable. ESPN, CBS, Bleacher Reports Sports Illustrated, The Ringer. He just wrote a really um, insightful piece for 538 and the rise of guards setting ball screens. Really liked it. Highly recommend it uh, for any hoops head out there. Jared, what's going on, my man? How's life?
1: Uh, life's pretty good. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate the, uh, extensive and kind introduction. Yeah, man. I got to give, uh, your whole resume because it's pretty lengthy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while now. I realized before the season started, this is my 10th year covering the league. So yeah. that's uh, a, it's a long time. Uh, no, I know we kind of got into the game at,
0: at similar times. This is my eighth season at Bleacher Report. And it's like, you blinking, like, where the hell did the last I know. eight years go? My first year covering, my first year covering was the uh, Anthony Bennett draft. Oof. And, uh, to, <laughs> think, <laughs> right. uh, to think I didn't quit after that year is a good sign. Oh, that's a heck of a draft to come in on. Yeah. Anyway, so listen, you've been watching NBA. I've been more locked into college. I want to go over some of the rookies and sophomores, the young guys in the league, uh, and you kind of tell me how they've been doing, what you're kind of seeing both in terms of uh, their current play and, and maybe where um, their their trajectory goes and, and where you think their ceilings go from here, and we'll kind of play back and forth between your current analysis and what I saw before the draft. And um, I think I think I want to start with the rookies, and let's start at the top. Obviously, Zion hasn't played a game yet, but John Morant, the number two pick in the draft, Memphis Grizzlies. I'll tell you right off the bat, I'm already surprised. I mean, again, I haven't seen every game he's played. I've I've caught a couple. I've seen the highlights and stuff. I, I look at the box scores every day and see he's averaging 18 and six to me. what's shocking is his field goal percentage, how efficient he's been. Uh, I, I don't know how much you saw of John Morant before the draft. I'm sure you probably saw the Florida state game in the NCAA tournament, but you know, what are you seeing right now from this rookie point guard?
1: Well, I did see the Florida state game and that endeared him to me because anybody that beats Florida state is good by me. <laughs> That's right, um, a Miami guy. Yeah. Uh, So I didn't see a ton of him when he was at, where's uh, Murray State, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see a ton of him. Uh, I watched like very little of their preseason, very little of summer league. Um, I've been super impressed by him. He, he sees passing lanes that are just not things that rookie point guards typically see. Um, He's, he's got, you know, a pretty high turnover rate, but if you look historically at elite point guards in the past, that's not abnormal. Guys like Magic Johnson, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, John Stockton, even all these guys had high turnover rates when they were rookies. And you know, the reason is because they're seeing things, but not, you know, necessarily anticipating the defense that knows that it's coming. So they're making, you know, passes that they probably shouldn't make, and they should make the pass in reaction to that. But he's already seeing multiple levels of defense. He's running the offense really well. I just think he's such a composed player. He knows exactly how to run an offense, exactly where to put the ball. Um, He's really, really good. And I mean, the 18 and six, I mean, the Grizzlies have been limiting his minutes. I don't think he's played more than like 32 or 33 minutes in a game yet. Uh, He's, he's really, really, really good. I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know I, I questioned and I had him number two on my board, so it's not like I, I didn't like him, but I questioned uh, the transition. He didn't really have much of a pull up game mm-hmm. coming out of college. His floaters uh, were off the mark. You know, he didn't shoot a high percentage on those. He kind of struggled a bit around the rim, and so you just thought this would be like a De'Aaron Fox situation where he'd take a year and then make a big jump as a sophomore. But he's already st- scoring eighteen a game and. Now, is he taking a lot of jump shots? I mean, have we seen that or is he just so good at getting to the basket that he hasn't really needed it?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, he, he gets to the basket a ton. He's finishing at, you know, like an average rate around there. I think as he gets stronger and more experienced, he'll be better at finishing, you know, oversized and through contact at the basket. Um, he's shooting well from three, but doesn't really take a lot of them. A lot of times where you would see other point guards, you know, step into a a pull up three on pick and roll, he'll, you know, take another dribble and try to find a pass or, you know, take a hesitation and try to get to the rim. The, The floaters, I think, are still a little bit of an issue when he gets into like the free throw line range. I think the the pull up concerns that you mentioned are still kind of there, but he's just so good at getting to the rim. Like I'm I'm looking at the numbers now, like 67% of his shots are coming within 10 feet of the basket, 45% within three feet. That's unbelievable wow. for a point guard. Um, yeah. And he's got yeah. good size too. Like he's six, three, he's very skinny, but if he puts on 10 to 15 pounds, which is not a lot for a player as they get into their mid to late twenties, um, he's going to be so strong. And so he's already so good at getting to the basket if he can bounce off a guy's instead of getting, you know, knocked backwards a little bit or if he could finish through size and contact. I mean, the ability that he has to get to the rim is it's just such a weapon. And then the way he sees the floor on the move, not just from the top of the key, it's uh, it's it's really, really good.
0: Right. So that's what I was banking on. I was like, you know, if, if all else fails, he's going to succeed in the league because he is so good at, at playmaking and, and not just seeing the floor, but he could deliver. Lefty passes with mm-hmm. one hand, you know, uh, every type of pass in the book uh, and knows how to push the break and, and find shooters before defenses could set and just found a way to make the game easier for those around him. You know, even if he didn't blow up as a score, he'd still hold value as a starting point guard, but he's dropping 18 a game without a reliable jumper and floater. And like I saw that Charlotte game where uh, I think it was Charlotte, we had the game winner in the closing seconds. And usually, you know, a defense knows that a guy like Morant is you want to force him to pull up and they still, he still found a way to get to the basket and make a tough finish. So um, I, all signs are uh, are pointing up for him and, and he's successful right now and, and clearly still has a lot more room to improve. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really excited about his first year. What about uh, same team? So, I mean, Jaron Jackson, Jr., is a guy who I, I had number two on my board that year. I really haven't, maybe it's just been overshadowed by Luca and Trey, but um, how has, how has Jaron Jackson's second year gone? And, and how is he, how is his development kind of related to to job dominating the ball?
1: I think that his second year has basically been like, if you watched his first year, I think this is kind of what you would have expected from his second year. Like he is, a very, very skilled player that is still trying to figure out the best way to put those skills to use. I think uh, I would like to see him take a little bit more of a share of the offense. Like he's still only a slightly above average uh, usage rate kind of guy. I think he's from what I've seen a better passer than what his assist rate would show you. That's something that, I mean, Ja has the ball. So much. And even like when Tyus Jones comes in, he's in control of the ball so much too. um I do think that there's more to explore there with passing. And if he rolled to the basket more on screen and rolls as opposed to popping out, I think you would see that a little bit more just in terms of like the Draymond Green type of roll to the nail, catch the ball and throw it to the lob or to the corner, one of those type of things. um And, and I think that the rebounding to me is the thing that he needs to work on most especially if he's going to be a center eventually which I think is probably the best thing for him long term there needs to be a bit more in the way of just not allowing himself to be outworked for rebounds but he's he's a really nice player and I think that his shooting is coming along nicely he's taking way more threes this year and he's making them at a higher rate and that's a good sign but to me it's the, the rebounding and if he can get himself to the line more often finding a way to you know, get more involved, whether it's cutting to the rim or getting out on the break, something to get himself to the line and get, you know, cheap, cheap points, I guess you would call them would be nice, but he's, he's a really good player still sort of figuring it out. And I'm satisfied, I guess, with what I've seen from him so far.
0: Yeah. We forget how young he is. I don't even think he's 21 yet. And, uh, and the rebounding thing you mentioned, uh, same thing in college, he hmm. averaged, 10 and a half rebounds per 40 minutes. And uh, you know, with a seven-four wingspan and six-eleven, you'd, you'd expect uh, a little more rebounding production. I kind of had difficulty, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how much stock to put into that during his pre-draft evaluation. I kind of figured to just ignore it. He played power forward in college, but yeah, you'd certainly want him to be a little bit more physical. But uh, anyway, yeah, I- I'm still super high on him, and, mm-hmm. and maybe would still—I'd I'd probably take Trey, I guess, number two overall in that draft. But I'd have Jaron uh, right there, at number three, in a.
1: And he still is playing, by the way, with um, with Jonas right. Valanciunas, who is, you know, a, a high rebound type of guy. I haven't looked at the box out numbers yet um, for him. It's entirely possible, obviously, that he's been the box out guy and JV has been the rebound guy. That's not necessarily what I have seen per se but it's it's possible that i'm missing something so i don't i don't want to kill him too much on the rebounds especially because he's he's so young and still so skinny um i would think that as he gets stronger the rebounding and the you know ways to again just like ja like finish inside or draw contact at the rim will get better i mean both of them there are so young and so skinny you would imagine that some of the things that they need to improve will naturally improve just as their bodies fill out
0: Before we move on, it's worth noting that the holidays are almost here and you know what that means. You gotta get gifts. What better gift to give the guy in your life or for yourself than a stylish shirt that actually fits you perfectly. Unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall just that right length, no matter your size or his size, so you can look casual but also sharp. Buying button downs is always a problem. Always dangles down to my knees, it gets crumpled. It looks like I'm wearing a nightgown. Not anymore. Not since I've been using Untuck It. The shirt actually goes down like right below your waist level, so it looks like it's tailor-made to fit your body specifically to be worn out of your belt. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com. Use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com. And the promo code BLUE for 20% off. I want to move to New York. R.J. Barrett, um, a pretty, I'd say pretty polarizing guy, um, even though most people had him top three. I think there was there was still uh, some pessimism about whether or not this was a future star. Uh, questionable uh, style of play and an up and down Summer League. And I thought, honestly, I was a little bit down on him in Summer League. And I'm feeling pretty good about the way He's handled himself in a tough situation in New York, of course, all the negativity surrounding the Knicks franchise, but also a, a tough a tough roster to just kind of come in and uh, and figure things out at 19 years old. And I think he's done a pretty good job of it. I know he hasn't been super efficient, but um, you know he's kind of he, he's fitting pretty well. The numbers are, are obviously the production is impressive. He's playing like 33 minutes a game. What have you seen from R.J.? What has impressed you? What do you think he needs to work on?
1: So I was uh not one of the people that saw necessarily a surefire superstar from him when I watched him at Duke. But I was also I was also like not among the group that was like, if this guy can't figure out a way to be a high level number one go-to scorer, then I don't know what he's gonna be in the NBA. I thought, you know, to me the most impressive things from him were just his his rebounding for his size when he was in college, which has carried over to the NBA. And then the way he sees the floor and passes for a wing player, which has also carried over to the NBA. I mean, he's averaging 5.6 rebounds and 3.6 assists and is mostly playing the two on a Knicks team where, there are other guys that suck up a lot of rebounds in, you know, Julius Randall and Mitchell Robinson and even like Taj Gibson and Bobby Portis. And and he's still managed to be a very good rebounder. And then they don't have a lot of shooters and he still found a way to, you know, distribute the ball and find guys open. He's made some of those. They're not like hook passes yet. And I think as he gets to making them hook passes and delivers them a little faster, they will be easier for guys to convert. But he sees that corner pass out of the pick and roll and he's even made some like no-look passes where he's looking to the corner and hits the roller because he's able to look the help off. The The rebounding and the passing, to me, have been really impressive. Um, his jumper from three when he has his feet set has been better with the Knicks than it was in college, um, and he still gets to the rim essentially whenever he wants despite not being able to really blow by guys. He's just so strong that he's able to get himself very deep in the paint very often. Um, he has, after finishing extremely well early in the season, cooled down. And that to me was sort of the big concern because being able to finish, you know, over, around, and through guys at the basket is a very desirable skill. And if you can do it consistently for a long time, that enables you to get baskets that other guys can't get. But it's a much more desirable skill to not have to finish over, around, and through guys because you can just blow by them and create easy baskets at the rim for yourself. And despite his ability to get all the way to the rim, he often has to take contested shots there. And that's sort of the reason that he wasn't necessarily an efficient scorer in college despite getting to the rim essentially whenever he wanted. And that has sort of carried over to the NBA. Um, He's not really taking any of the, the dead zone mid range shots, which is a very good sign. He's taking essentially all shots within, you know, six, eight feet or from three. And that's a really good thing and will help his efficiency as he grows. Um, But the concern to me is that he doesn't blow by anybody. So I think to me, it's more of like a second side guy who beats, closeouts and is able to get to the rim that way, or a guy who comes off of handoff action and has a head start on his guy and is able to get to the rim that way. That's something that could put him in better position to succeed than just planting him at the top of the key and being like, all right, kid, go create some offense for us.
0: Yeah, no, the problem I had with Barrett before the draft and, and I had him at number three overall, but I also questioned him the whole season. I had him and Jared Culver neck and neck and uh, I kind of just loved, loved his floor. I just did know he was going to find a way to be productive in the league, whether he was a star or not. And the, the thing that, you know, drive me crazy is in my head was, okay, this guy's a score. That's what his identity revolves around, but he's not a good one-on-one player. So it's like, you know, what happens if he isn't a great score in the NBA? Is he going to offer enough? Um, I, uh, the playmaking is carried over. He was an underrated playmaker at Duke and the rebounding seems to always translate from high school to college to the pros. And, and right now you're right. He, you know, he, he doesn't blow by guys. He kind of, his best attribute is really his ability to improvise and he mm-hmm. takes different steps. And, and it's that deceleration that kind of Doncic uses and Harden uses uh, to slow down and create separation in, in uh, unorthodox ways. And he's finding ways to put the ball in the bucket, but I think eventually he's going to have to get better one-on-one at creating his own shot. And I know he hasn't been in the mid range. The analytics guys don't love the mid range, but I think he's got to find other areas on the floor uh, to make shots, and and the shooting yet yeah, the shooting has been promising, and I don't think he's ever going to be a shooter, but he's a, a shot maker. You know he can make mm-hmm. every shot in the book, but uh, if you leave him open, you know a hundred open threes he probably won't hit thirty five of them. Um, but uh, overall, he's finding ways. Uh, I'm just happy that he's doing it this early, mm-hmm. but eventually he's going to have to make some adjustments.
1: Yeah, I think the a good sign for me is that he's getting to. The free throw line a lot. And obviously he's shooting like a terrible percentage uh, from the line. And I know that that was something that happened in in high school and college, too. But I don't think he was down at like 50 percent or whatever it is that he's at this year. If he gets even into the 70 percent range, he's such a more efficient player than he already is um and and obviously the efficiency in terms of like his true shooting percentage right now is not very good just because i mean he's not finishing well at the rim and he's not shooting well at the line but just on on quick math if he was shooting 70 percent on free throws right now his true shooting percentage would be like above 500 whereas right now it's at 471 and obviously 500 is not good either but that's much more respectable. And I think that the one thing you hear about him from literally everybody is that the kid works like absurdly hard. And um, I, I think that over the course of time, he could get to 70 and even 70 is still like slightly below average in terms of a free throw shooter. And if he can even get there, that's just such a big help based on where he is right now.
0: Yeah, if he get the thirty five percent from three and seventy percent from the free throw line, he's going to be a, a productive scorer, and then offer that that secondary playmaking and, and the rebounding, and he'll be a he'll be a fine player. Mm. So overall, I think it's encouraging, even though there are some uh, some clear uh, weaknesses that he has to improve on. Let's go to Miami because I think Tyler Hero, yeah, uh, to me has love been, that dude. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, I, I mean he's fun. He's uh, you know his confidence just like really jumps mm-hmm. out at you, and that was that was always a thing. I, funny story when I remember going to a Jordan brand classic practice when he was uh, in high school and I'd say I was least familiar with him in terms of seeing them in person than than most of the guys out there and hero was taking every single shot good shots bad shots like nothing phased him he didn't care if he missed four in a row he was going to pull up and transition the next play against all these high-level guys ranked above him and then he goes to Kentucky and he's kind of you know, got that straight, straight jacket on that Calipari mm-hmm. puts on players. Playing within the offense. Uh, the same thing that happened with Devin Booker. Like I'd say, one of the criticisms I had of Devin Booker coming out of Kentucky he was like, he needs to improve, creating his own shot. Well, that sounds pretty stupid right now. And uh, suddenly we're seeing Hero uh, completely unlocked um, with, with a green light. You know, how how excited are, are Miami fans about him? Where do they see him going from here?
1: I don't know necessarily the, the fan perception, but I know like some of the media perception and from what I've seen too, I mean, I talked about, you know, uh, being a second side guy in terms of RJ Barrett, like Tyler hero already knows exactly what to do as a second side guy. And that is probably going to be his role for most of his career. And he is already very, very, very good at it. I mean, he's such a good shooter. He knows how to weaponize that in terms of being able to beat closeouts and get to the rim in terms of being able to, you know, get a pump fake, take a dribble, and hit the next guy down the line. Um, he knows how to not just move away from the ball, but shake free of his man away from the ball. There was I did uh, one of my last night in basketball videos uh, on him early earlier in the season, and he shook free of, I can't remember who it was, off of the ball. And it was just like, I mean, this guy was like seven or eight feet away from him by the time he caught the ball. Uh, on the opposite side of the court, it was unbelievable. I mean, he's already one of those guys that knows exactly what his game is, exactly what to do, and how to use every piece of his skill set. I've been really impressed with him on offense uh the defense needs some work that's uh we'll put it that way,
0: but he's one of the reasons why i'm I'm loving what I'm seeing also and and why i'm you know, believing him in, in his next couple of years of development is this kid is like obsessed with basketball and uh, he plays with so much in, uh, intensity you know, he's just one of those guys you kind of expect I don't know what his ceiling is but you expect him to kind of maximize his potential just based on uh, his reputation in terms of work ethic and and, and reputation of, of how much he loves the game and uh, and again that confidence I mean uh, nothing seems to phase him He'll, he's the type of guy who miss seven shots in a row and still fire away that eighth shot without thinking twice and yeah, just uh, really knows how to play the game. I'm just curious. I mean, where do you think this, where do you think his ceiling can go? Do you think he is a capable Devin Booker type score or, or is that too high of a bar?
1: I think that's a little bit too high of a bar. I'm trying to think of a guy who is an analog because it's not just like a, a JJ Redick type because he's significantly more athletic than that. I think Um, one of my friends asked me about this too earlier in the season. And I'm trying to remember what the comp I made was. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it was. But
0: I mean, I, I mean, Buddy Heald is a guy who jumps out to me that he can try and be um, as a not somebody you really want as your number one guy like Devin Booker, but Buddy Heald could be a fine number two guy, uh, you know, around the perimeter.
1: Yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. I, I think. Uh, oh, you know what it was? It was like early career. Eric Gordon, I think it was, um, okay. where he was a sort of a, a an athletic guy who was beating closeouts, just shooting from everywhere. Um, yeah, I think that that's what it was.
0: Yeah, and Gordon also, you know, played a little point guard in college. And, mm-hmm. and I think we see Hero, I don't know if he's got that combo guard label yet, but he is definitely a good passer. It's just his ball skills in general. He can make those passes. He can handle in ball screen situations. So I think we're going to see a little more of his off-the-dribble game develop uh over the next couple of years. It'll be interesting to see like what his usage rate looks like um as he continues to uh to grow in that lineup with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm.
1: And the and Miami is obviously very willing to experiment with guys and allow them to try to stretch their skill sets. You know, like they've they've used James Johnson and Justice Winslow at point guard at different times. So <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um I want to go to Charlotte because Charlotte I know that they're not like a good team but they already have more wins than like I thought they would have the first half of the season in total. And uh, PJ Washington has uh, been very impressive. Um, He was always viewed before the draft by me and by most as kind of a high floor guy. You never really saw a star type player, but uh, he had that role player potential. He did the little things. He was a polished post player. He can make open shots. You know, he could rebound, but he was never a face up uh, and handle the ball type of guy, which kind of suggested his ceiling was a little bit lower. Having said that, he's knocking down like 50% of his threes, um, I don't know if he's going to be a, a rookie of the year, a realistic candidate, but tell me what you've seen from PJ Washington and what you knew about him coming in.
1: I didn't know a ton about him coming in, but the thing that stands out to me the most is the dude is so strong. Like, he's re- built like a little bit ridiculously. It's like, I think <laughs> from, from what I was looking at, he's like six five, two hundred and thirty five 235 pounds or something like that, <laughs> yeah. which is crazy. And, um, I'm looking through my uh, my database on NBAAthlete.com in terms of his physical comparisons, and a bunch of the guys are like, you know, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, obviously a really sturdily built guy, Ogiannanobi, al farouk Aminu. Those body types, I think, uh, make a bunch of sense for him. But he looks like a, a good shooter already, at least, and that's a really good sign. I don't know that he's necessarily going to make whatever it is forty, fifty percent of his threes like he's making Man, right that's now. Coming yeah. But uh he's he's very active. He's very strong. He's one of those guys that seems to be in the right place most of the time. And as a rookie, that's a really good sign just in terms of you being able to to be on the court long term in the NBA. And I mean he's a day one starter, which is very impressive for a rookie. Not every rookie gets to be that, even guys that are drafted in the lottery. So I think he's been pretty impressive so far. There are some things, like, I don't think that the shooting can possibly sustain where it's at now, um, but I- I'm, I'm impressed, and I didn't know a ton about him coming in. I think, you know, his activity level and his strength are really good signs for him being uh, certainly a quality role player, and if he could add more, like, off the dribble and sustain the th- the three-point shooting in, you know, the mid to high 30s, that's a really, really good player.
0: Yeah, his first year at Kentucky was, like, really underwhelming. I mean, nothing about him popped. Uh, oh, he was a
1: sophomore? I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah, he played two years at Kentucky. He went to the NBA Combine after his first year, and they told him to come back. He showed up uh, after, by the way, his freshman year, he made five threes total. He shows back up uh, as a sophomore. His body looks completely different. He's got bounce that he didn't have before. He made 33 threes up from five. I mean, in 33 and 33 games or so is not a huge deal, but it was clearly a jump. And then the jump he's made this year—I think he's already matched his total from last year threes. So uh, you love the you love the progress. You love the fact that he continues to get better both skill-wise and body-wise. And uh, and another high-character guy who you just kind of want to bet on moving forward. And um, his game kind of continues to evolve. I'm I'm another guy. I'm just fascinated to to see where it goes from here. This would be like uh, I'd say this would be more of a, a ceiling type of player of what we're seeing already. And uh, so I'm really interested to see what he's able to add to his game. Like you said, the face up, we still haven't seen much of that. He's always been more of a back to the basket guy mm-hmm. who can make those mid range shots, but uh, we'll see if, if he can add some, some ball handling to his game. Another ball handler in Charlotte, who um, I'll certainly admit, I was wrong about uh, Devonte Graham has been one of the breakout stars. I wouldn't go so far as to say star, but breakout players this year in the NBA and uh, I was looking to see what I ranked him in the 2018 draft. I was actually afraid to do this, but I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll go for it. He was number 41 uh, on my board in 2018, and I wrote uh, on, my final mock dra- on my final big board, I wrote, Graham can follow in the footprints of Shabazz Napier, who's carved out a role as a backup ball handler and he's valued for his pick-and-roll play and shot-making. Actually, that's not a bad projection, but clearly he's, he's leaped Shabazz Napier uh, you know, what if you what are your thoughts on this on Devontae Graham's breakout? Is it kind of fluky or is this something uh that looks really legitimate?
1: I think he looks very good. Um I, I think he settles for a few too many pull-up and step back long mid-rangers. Um, but he looks like a guy who can get mostly where he wants on the court and his floor vision this year from what I saw of him last year as a backup in Charlotte looks to be significantly improved Um, seeing the court much better. And he's sort of weaponizing the fact that he looks like such a good shooter from three into being able to create openings to get into, you know, the the back edge of the paint, draw defenders to him and find guys in different areas of the court. Um, I'm a little concerned that he is not necessarily the greatest finisher around the rim that's something i mean he's he's kind of small so it's that something that could stay a concern over the long term i think he's like six foot or six one or something like that and that type of guy i mean unless you're like kemba walker or isaiah thomas where you develop all sorts of tricks as you get into the paint and like fade away floaters and things like that not everybody is able to do that but the the shooting combined with the the vision this season has been really impressive. Um, and I think he's just sort of taken over a pretty sizable role there, which um, I can't say I expected after what I saw from him last year.
0: Yeah. Big jump. Um, And this is a senior at a college, you know, you usually don't, you kind of expect the, the seniors to not really like blow up later in their careers. And um, be interesting to see if he uh, eventually takes over for Terry Rozier, but um, yeah, the shot making the passing, he was a terrible one-on-one player in college. I can't find the stat right now. And I just saw recently. I checked out the other day. He's like five of sixteen out of isolation uh, this year. And, and one of the reasons that I was kind of skeptical about him coming out of college is was he going to be able to separate one-on-one against NBA guys? And it turns out he doesn't need to because he's just uh, so impressive uh, away from the basket. And, and he can make those pick-and-roll reads. And he competes defensively, even though he's not a great athlete. He competes. So um, I, I feel pretty good about him, even though I made a. a a wrong evaluation, but, uh, definitely a guy, uh, I'm rooting for it to see if he can, you know, really carve out more of a, the backup role, which everybody thought he'd be as a senior second round pick coming out of Kansas. Uh, one other point guard I want to talk about, um, Colby white, fresh uh, rookie. He was a top 10 pick. I always say, if you're going to take a point guard in the top 10, you have to expect that he's going to be a quality starting point guard to take a point guard, top 10, um, he starts the season coming off the bench and he's been on and off, but his on games have been super impressive, really streaky shooter, shot maker, scorer. Uh, is he the type of guy? I don't know how much you've seen of Kobe White so far, but I don't know. Do you, do you see a starting point guard, somebody who's going to take over as a starter in Chicago, or do you like him more in the role that he's playing more of like a streak um a streak six man type coming off Chicago's bench. Mm -hmm.
1: So I've watched three of their games so far and he was pretty bad in two of them and unbelievable in the other. Um Mm -hmm. the the one that I watched against um what was I think it was the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah Yeah, he had
0: seven threes in that game. In the fourth quarter I
1: think. Yeah, he was unbelievable down the stretch of that game. He just like essentially blew the game wide open. Um I think I kind of like him more in the energizer off the bench kind of thing. Like, I don't think I don't necessarily like pigeonholing guys as like a point guard or not a point guard. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who is all that interested in in setting players up when he comes in the game. That could be a function of his role on this Bulls team. It could be a function of, you know, the other guys on this team. And um so I'm I'm not sure necessarily what I see in terms of the long term, but what I've seen this year is a guy who, you know, is very much hunting his own opportunities for good and for ill. Um, he's not shooting very well. Uh, I happened to see one of the games where he went off so that, you know, colors things a little bit, but I, I think obviously there's a lot of skill there and he can get his shot when he wants to get it. Right? And that's a skill that's desirable for a lot of teams, Um, I just don't necessarily know what the best role is for him in the long term because they have him in this role now. And it's hard to picture a guy outside that when he's playing the we need you to come in and get buckets type of role.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm one of those guys who I really struggled with uh, evaluating and deciding whether or not I thought he would be a spark off the bench or a really, really good starting point guard. And the difference could be like, you know, 15 picks in the draft. But uh, so far, the, the I guess this early, the positives outweigh the negatives. And the positives so far have been that streak scoring ability, the, this, the cliche scoring bunches. But uh, yeah, just like he was in college, he had these games. And then he had those games where he's like three of 12 and one for eight from downtown with you know five turnovers and three assists. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see where he goes. Chicago kind of needs a, a big time, I think, a, a strong decision maker at that point guard spot.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. But I think the good thing for him in terms of, you know, is he a point guard? Is he not a point guard? He is very good size. He's like 6'4". He's got long arms. Um, So if you want to play him next to a point guard in the backcourt, you could do that. And if you want to play him next to an off guard, you could do that. So it could be one of those guys where sort of depending on situation, he could play either one of those roles.
0: All right. I want to go. I want to go to Luca and Trey. I know it's I know it's like overkill at this point. Uh, Every day Luca does something new. And Trey just continues to put up monster numbers, and it really shouldn't be an argument of who's better. Uh, although I do, I, I am fascinated by some takes I hear on Twitter, and I, I guess I follow enough people where I'm going to get both sides of it. Um, where are you stay? I mean, I, are you a clear Luca over Trey guy?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not to say that Trey Young isn't awesome, but like, it's like Luca does. All of the same things that Trey does, except he's also six eight and a really good rebounder, and that kind of thing matters. Like I was talking to uh, a couple people about this the other day: uh, Matt Moore, Brian Schrader, a couple other guys. Neither one of these guys is a good defender, right? Um, they're they're both pretty bad on defense, but just by virtue of being six eight and you know built very well. Luca is a significantly more positive force defensively, just because it's not as easy to push him around. It's not as easy to shoot over him. And he's a very good rebounder. And when you can get rebounds that helps end possessions. And, uh, when you can't get rebounds, which Trey mostly does not, you're not helping end possessions as often. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and, you know, he does get uh, some steals and deflections. So that helps him on that side. But they're both like very strongly offense first and mostly offense only players. But Luca is less of a negative on defense because he's not as easy to target uh, in switches and because he helps rebound. But what these guys are both doing offensively is pretty unbelievable. I I have a a Luca story that I don't want to spoil coming out um, on 538 sometime in the next week or so. Cool. Um, just about how ridiculous he's been so far. And then I, I love watching Trey Young so much. Like, the things he does sort of warp the floor a little bit. And, you know, I wrote about it earlier in the season. Like, just the show that he puts on, it's like it's it's worth the price of admission to go see that guy play. Yeah.
0: I had Luca first of all, I had Luca number one. I feel good about that. And there's no way in hell I thought he'd be this good. I mean, I'm, st- I'm blown away by it uh obviously how fast i mean he was always a guy who you expected to come in and and be nba ready i hate that term but because of what he did in your league and his size you'd say okay this guy's nba ready he could play an nba game right now Mm -hmm. i didn't know how fast he'd dominate i certainly didn't know how fast he'd be putting up 25 points you know every single night that was the big thing i was like was would he be able to create enough separation without the athleticism you know for a wing player and uh another guy who just finds these unique ways to do it and he's mastered the footwork and mastered different uh advanced shot making skills and throwing the passing, which we knew he had, and, and the rebounding and and the intangibles. I mean, he does he obviously doesn't look like a 20-year-old kid out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he's averaging almost a 30 point triple double. Like he's 20 years old. Uh it's crazy. I'll give you another I'll spoil one stat that I have uh in my story. So he has a, a usage rate, 34.7. I looked at all of the seasons with a player use uh, at least 33% of his team's possessions. There's 63 of those seasons, and his true shooting percentage ranks seventh best among those 63 seasons, where guys are using just an insane number of possessions. And this is, I mean, this is despite the fact that he's only shooting like 30% from right. three. Um, and he's already one of the most efficient, high like Uber usage scorers ever. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff this kid is doing. It's it's unbelievable. He just parades himself to the free throw line too. It's essentially impossible to stop him from getting to the rim. He's got all sorts of different fakes. I mean, it's unbelievable how good yeah, he is. and I
0: love his I love his personality. He's like kind of cool. He's not like an asshole. He's uh, he just looks like he's having fun out there. And like you say, 30%, he's got like a lot more room to improve. I mean, I'd say, would you go as far as say he's a future MVP?
1: Oh, but... yeah. Like, from what he's doing, he looks like a guy who's going to eventually become the best player in the league. And once he becomes that, is not going to give up that title for a while. Um, that's the kind of future I see for him. He's that good. Uh, obviously, you got to keep doing all of the things that he's doing. And, you know, make improvements and become at least passable on defense. But that's the talent level that he yeah. has. I
0: talked to, b- before that draft, I talked to a couple guys in the Mavs front office throughout the year. And they they always loved him. Like, their goal was to, to come out of the draft and get Doncic. They didn't know. This was even before the the, uh, the lottery was set. And so they saw this from a mile away and uh when they got him they like kind of just like knew what they were getting it was pretty cool to watch <laughs>
1: and then and in, in fairness i feel like most people n- not necessarily this but saw him becoming like one of the small handful of best players in the league if he hit his ceiling right
0: yeah i mean but but even though his, i think the big question was what is his ceiling because mm-hmm. for a a guy who is considered you know a, a average athlete i mean m- maybe at best for a wing player i mean there're not too many there are not too many European wing players, uh, that had monster ceilings. Um, right. and you know, Ginobili came to mind because he was able to do it in such you know, unique, crafty fashion. But it was tough to picture because we hadn't seen it really before. A wing European that was like a 30 point score. I know Dirk was seven feet, but but he's just so different, he's the first of his kind. And uh, he's already, I mean, again, I had him number one, and this is already he's already blown away my expectations. And really quick, Trey, I, I, I. I hate that he gets lost in this a little bit. I, he's averaging 27-9 and nine yeah. without, without much talent around him and, and defense is able to key on him. And he's got plenty of room to improve. And I had Trey four overall. Of course, if I were to do this again, I'd, I'd have him two. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. Who did you have at two line. and three?
1: I, I'm trying to remember I'd, that draft. I
0: had Jaron Jackson, uh, Jackson at two. I had Aiton at three. Um, I had Trey at four and I had, um, uh, had uh, Bomba at five and Bagley at six.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, for, for Trey, I mean, it's kind of cliche to compare him to Steph, but just the way that he's able to weaponize the threat of the pull-up three is really just the key to everything for him, and he uses that threat to get to the basket. He uses it to create openings that shouldn't be there uh, for his teammates, and he sees all of those openings he sees them before they even come open. I mean, the concern coming in for Trey was that he was gonna be such an obviously bad defender that he needed to be a transformational offensive player in order to be worth the pick that it was gonna take uh for you to get him and that's exactly what's happened like he's he looks like a transformational offensive player um that's not quite the same as Doncic who looks like a sort of all world type of threat that could potentially, like, like I said, be the best player in the league, but that's incredibly valuable too. Um, And I mean, he's just, I I love watching him too. I couldn't be more uh, thrilled when I have, when I look at my schedule of games that I've set out and, uh, and I have the Hawks on it. I'm like, Oh good. I get to watch that guy tonight.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't love their draft this year. I disagreed with the Hunter pick, um, and I thought, actually, ironically, I know Reddish is shooting 27%, but I thought number 10 overall, that was a fine pick. But otherwise, yeah, I was really excited about the Hawks and Trey, and uh, good family, great kid, and impossible not to root for him, particularly after all the shit he took uh, coming out of Oklahoma. All right, last guy I want to talk about, uh, and somebody who also I didn't really see um, this coming so fast, Shea Gilgis-Alexander who uh, another guy who I kind of said, okay, this is a high floor guy. Like he's an NBA player, but how good can he be as a point guard without really blow by speed, not really explosive, uh, wasn't a volume shooter coming out of Kentucky. And here he is uh, playing with Chris Paul, averaging nearly 20 points a game in his second year. I mean, how good can this guy be?
1: He could be really, really good. I mean, it's so sort of in the same way as kobe white he has enough size just in terms of height and length that you can play him either with another point guard or as the point guard himself and that's an incredibly valuable thing um he's obviously playing next to chris paul a lot and then sort of working as you know additionally the backup point guard sometimes uh and sometimes will play uh with with schroeder too um i I i really like his game he has such shiftiness and change of direction like his his ability to change speeds and change directions in such strange ways is um it's it seems straight it's like i don't want to call it unique because i just called it strange but like he just moves differently than a lot of other guys and that helps him make up for the fact that he's not like an uber explosive athlete but he also seems like one of those guys like Sean Livingston style where you could post him up as a point guard if you want to. And he can see the court from there and he could potentially hit some turnarounds over smaller guys. He just has a really interesting skill set. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be a Chris Paul style lead ball handler, run 100 pick and rolls for him a game. And he averages, you know, 10, 12 assists. But he's he's a really interesting player. And I think he's got a lot of different skills. And he's already really effective and was already really effective as a rookie despite not really being put in position to be like a high level contributor, he's able to find ways to do that anyway. Like he's not a guy who has the ball all the time and especially was not that last year. And he still found a way to be, you know, a positive player, which is pretty rare for a rookie. Um, and he's even more than that now. So I, I think he's really good, man. He's,
0: he's one of those reasons why I hate to even, I wish we could abolish. And I, I abolish the word upside because I mean, he, he kind of defies the rules of upside upside is usually like fueled by explosiveness like Westbrook or like uh, you know big time shooter or, or guys who just put so much pressure on the basket. He does it, like you said, in strange unique ways that defy the rules of, of how you're supposed to put up a lot of points. Um, and yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been a high assist guy, but I'm curious to see what he ends up doing when he's the, the lead ball handler. there. Is Chris Paul going to stay there by the way? What's the deal with that?
1: Man, I don't know. I th- I think it's really, really difficult to to trade him. And not just because the salary is so big that teams might not want to take it, but because it's so difficult just to match salaries in a trade. Like I was looking at this, someone was like, oh, well, Milwaukee should trade for him. And I was like, yeah, sure. But the problem is that even if you include Eric Bledsoe and R- Brooke Lopez, which they're not going to do anyway, that's still not enough salary to match for Chris Paul in a trade. Um, it's just, it's way too difficult to trade for him in season, I think. it might. So I think he might just last the year there just because it's, it's too difficult to find a team that has guys that they are willing to trade and don't need um, that match the salary in a deal for him. So I'm, I'm not sure that he can find a path out of there during the season. But with, with Shea also, just like what you said, he's not an explosive athlete. He's not, you know, an elite shooter, but there's something to be said for just not being bad at anything. It's the same thing where, you know, Teams that never have bad players on the court um, sometimes can have better regular seasons than teams with superstars and some role players who you know have one or two skills. Because if you don't have bad players in the court, you're always going to have a little bit of an advantage over a team that has a player you could take advantage of.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a, a really good point. Um, and we'll we'll end on that. I think we kind of covered all the young guys that have been on my mind and and uh, hopefully on the listeners' minds. And uh, Jared, anything else you want to plug uh, before we uh, hang up?
1: Um, I mean i've got a, uh, you can see my work at at c b s at five thirty eight at the step back. I'm sure I'll come up at a bunch of other places. I've got my uh video series last night in basketball, which I break down this will shock you, but I break down what happened last night in basketball um and then there's a written component to it this year too. I am writing five hundred words about the n b a every single day for the entire season. Uh, even if it's the off days during the all-star break or those weird days during the playoffs where like three of the four second round series are finished and you're trying to wait to see who's going to make the Eastern conference finals to play against the Knicks. Um, so yeah, I'm doing that too.
0: Good stuff, Jared. Um, follow him on Twitter at J a Dubin five. Jared, thanks a lot, man. This was fun. This was uh, a lot of good insight.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, I'm going to read everything you write about every point guard for, for the upcoming draft, because let's be honest, the Knicks need one of those.
0: Yeah. I mean, I they gotta get one of them. I mean, yeah. if, if, well, I'll end on this again before we hang up. If Cole Anthony, I, this is one thing I can just lock it down. If, if Cole Anthony is around for the Knicks, they're going to close their eyes and shut it down shut down the draft process. He'll be a Nick um, by 2020. Anyway, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in guys. And uh, we'll talk soon.